And it is time for Ask the Professionals. The time is 906, 74 degrees, and we have Paige and Summer here with Ask the Professionals. And good morning to you, Paige. Good morning. I'm super excited. My co-host is back, Summer Overshawn. Welcome back, Summer. I am back. <laughs> I know we were talking before we started. You feel a little rusty, but you're not rusty at all. You're going to be great. <laughs> I, I don't think I've been in here for like the past six months. Yeah. So this is very, um, it's nice to see Al again. Mm-hmm. I'm used to seeing him once a week and it's been a <laughs> long you, time. You. Yeah, it's been kind of a weird transition to mm-hmm. come back in and see everybody and, and start hosting these again. So today we're super excited. We have Dr. Forrest Rackham, one of our personal favorites on. He's a clinical psychologist with the Phelps Health Medical Group. So today we're talking about something really cool, especially really pertinent with the school year coming back. We're talking about children with ADHD and how parents can kind of help support their children through the new school year. So Dr. Rackham, you have a um, pretty personal experience with this, right? You have some children with ADHD. Yeah, we do. We have uh, uh, kids that have uh, some problems with inattention mm-hmm. in, in a variety of different ways. And so we are continuously finding ways in which we can help them out to be successful. So one of the first questions I want to ask to kind of just get us started is children who have a diagnosis of ADHD, you know, they might have a new learning environment at school this year. School is looking so different this year and everybody is kind of navigating it the best they can. This is going to maybe be a struggle for them because children who have ADHD, they really kind of need different types of support. What kinds of questions should parents be asking for their educators? Yeah, no, uh, one thing is uh, what has worked for my kid in the classroom to help them focus. Another thing that can help is to review the IEP that they might have had developed if they did have an IEP program developed with the, the teacher. Also, talking to the counselor that has worked with the patient, uh, with the patient, with the student. Um, also, uh, seeing if there's other ways in which there are some environmental cues in the classroom that have also helped out. Because sometimes kids treat home as different than the classroom. And so, if we can mirror as much of that environment at home as in the classroom, then that could help out as well. You know, if a child doesn't have an IEP right now, could they still get one or is it too late because school's already started? Yeah, you can get IEPs anytime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best time is when school's in session because then uh, they actually have all the professionals on board that can be able to assess the child mm-hmm. uh, to get a sense of whether what their strengths are and also where they're struggling so that they can develop uh, an IEP around um, those strengths and where they're struggling. And if a child gets an IEP, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong or there's something bad, right? Because I think a lot of times there's a misconception whenever a child gets an IEP that they're dumb or they're lacking in some way, and that's just not the case, right? Right. It's The way I like to look at it is that uh, every child that has struggles uh, is having their own uh, thing where they don't fit in with the area. Let me see if I can say that differently. Um, I think almost every kid has like a superpower. Mm-hmm. And so uh, even the thing that is most annoying to us can also be the child's superpower. Some children who have ADHD have problems with uh, inattention or impulsivity, mm-hmm. but they also are very strong in creativity. So for them to be able to be impulsive in some areas, to be, be able to think quick on their feet and to be able to act according to the things that come into their mind quickly, that can be a great thing. And learning when to incorporate that can help them out as well. So helping children and also helping the parents see some of those uh, difficulties that they're having or managing as trying to reframe it as a superpower can also help them find ways in which it can be appropriate versus when it's not appropriate to engage in those type of behaviors. 
This year has been extremely stressful for parents. Yes. Uh, okay, let's just back up. School, going back to school is stressful for parents no matter what. Yes, I mean, yes. I think I scream, get your shoes on 80 billion times uh-huh. on a normal day. Right. This year, it's been even more compounded mm-hmm. by all that's going on. And parents are very, very concerned. I'm, am I making the right choice? Do I elect to let my kid... Um, do online instruction or should I send them back to school? And either choice has pros and cons. It does. And there's no good feeling you get about doing either one. Now, you throw in the fact that your child has ADHD and it's even more stressful. It is. Because both environments create problems. And how do you determine what's best for them? Because when they don't necessarily, when you see potential problems for them thriving in each scenario, uh-huh. How do you decide what to do? No, that's a good question. A lot of times I, when I'm working with other people about this, uh, we actually make uh, a pros and cons list um, in a four-quadrant thing because, as you were saying, there's pros and cons to each decision that you're making. And so when we found that when people write it out and are actually able to see it, you are allowing yourself to choose their own benefits but also choose your own poison. But people, when they are able to see it on paper, are more likely to say, okay, this is the this is the benefits and these are the cons that I'm willing to go with because as you are rightfully saying, both environments have their pros and cons mm-hmm. to it. And so being able to see it, and then sometimes when you have the struggles coming up again, in which we are going to have right. over and over again, being able to have it in a place where you can look at it again and again and again and say, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I made this tough decision and these are the reasons why I made this tough decision. This is the this is the avenue I'm choosing to go down because there are really almost no right or wrong decisions about having them do seated or having them do virtual. It's, it's just hard to determine that. Well, and especially with kids with ADHD, you, you guys both kind of alluded to this, like it's not a one size fits all. And especially um, with kids with ADHD, like does it affect boys or girls differently? Does it, is it different depending on their age? you don't know because the kid it's different for every single kid so you have to make the decision based on your child not based on whatever you've read yeah now what's interesting about adhd is that uh, if we look at the symptomatology of it what constitutes as adhd Mm -hmm. there's about uh, nine nine symptoms that we can think about that uh, are incorporated for inattention and then there's nine symptoms that we think about for uh, hyperactivity and uh, you only have to have six of those nine. So it could be any combination of those nine symptoms on either side. And then you can have a combined diagnosis of ADHD where you have six over here of, uh, of inattention and six over here of hyperactivity. And so what do we do with that? Because at that moment it's kind of like, well, goodness, uh, uh, we do have to look at what is individual for that child. Mm-hmm. Um, because. You could have any combination of differences for those children. And just like in my family, uh, some kids have inattention, but they have hyperactivity. Or some kids are just, uh, they are really good at being time focused. And so they like the time, but then they also are, uh, they think about uh, and are perseverant about, I need to get this, I need to do 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 this. Uh, and so that could be a strength for that child. But for another child, they don't think about perseverance as much or something like that. Paige and I were talking on the way over here, and we were talking about how it seems like the ADHD diagnosis is far more prevalent now than it was. I know that when I was a kid, I'll probably, you probably feel the same way. Mm -hmm. 
people didn't diagnose this. And so mm -hmm. when you had kids that probably now you look back and realize what was going on, uh -huh. they were just labeled as behavioral problems right. or yeah. issues and just deemed that they had like... And they were always in the principal's office. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So is it that we're just really better about figuring this out now and, and how have, and we've gained a lot of ground here, mm -hmm. but um, I just think it's very interesting that we had no idea then. And, and I feel like it's such a disservice now because I think of people that I went to school with um, that I, I realize now what was going on and I just feel like they really had a hard time, a hard way to go it because it's a hard way to go no matter what. But especially when people don't believe or realize what's actually happening. Yeah, there was a missed opportunity for a connection Correct. to be had there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and what, what we do find is that, yes, uh, the, the ability to be able to recognize children with ADHD has increased. Uh, and so ADHD now is being overdiagnosed and underdiagnosed. When I say overdiagnosed and underdiagnosed, what I'm saying is that there are other uh, some, there are other disorders or other problems that masquerade as ADHD. Mm -hmm. For example, if children experience trauma, if they experience anxiety, if they experience depression, those three other ones, in addition to ADHD, those three other ones are something that contributes to inattention. And so oftentimes people might say, oh, this child has ADHD, when in actuality, they're dealing with regular trauma or they're dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder due to mm -hmm. trauma that they've been experiencing. So mm -hmm. it's difficult for them to focus on anything else around them that's normal. You know, that's hard too with kids because a lot of times whenever kids are upset, it's, oh, you're just a kid, get over it. So how do you also have those conversations with a child who potentially has ADHD or maybe they're just a kid and they're upset? How do you differentiate between those two? I don't know if I understand the question enough. Can you so if, Yeah, that? absolutely. If you have a kid that you think may have ADHD but they haven't been diagnosed yet mm -hmm. or you have a kid who maybe is just kind of an emotional kid. Right. Like I, I may have been like a little bit of an emotional kid <laughs> whenever I was like 12 and I was going through like my teens. Yeah. Like you have a, a preteen daughter. Yep. Every teenage daughter probably has that. Right. Um, how do you differentiate between do they have ADHD and we need to look through this further or they're just going through this emotional phase? Uh, you want to look at if it's uh, in one context or another. So if mm -hmm. the child seems to be doing pretty well at school but they're really struggling at home, then it might be something more emotional or something like that. Or mm -hmm. if a child is doing really well at, at home but poor at school, it may be inattention, but it also might be a learning problem, it might be bullying, it might be uh, uh, any number of things that are contributing to it. So you want to see if it's if it applies to home, school, and other areas, mm -hmm. because then you can say, okay, well this seems to go across a whole bunch of different domains, a whole bunch of different situations, therefore that we might need to look into this a little bit further. What I often say to other parents, including myself, is that let's just look at what the problem behaviors are. Let's look at those problem behaviors and then let's look at ways in which we can help them out with that pro those problem behaviors. Because you could have a child that's not diagnosed right now, but the diagnosis doesn't really change the child. Mm -hmm. It's what we identify as what is the problem behavior so we can help them address that problem behavior and then change the environment in our home or at school to make it so that the child can shine, so they can overcome that problem and turn it into a strength. You know, that also made me think of another question for families where there are multiple children. Do 
you often see in families where there are children with ADHD and there's just like one or two kids, do the other kids ever feel like left out because there's so much maybe time spent on the child with ADHD? Let me take this one. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. It's, it's a struggle. I think that um, the, the, there's different expectations for children with ADHD versus children that do not have ADHD and sometimes um, there's a feeling that you expect more out of the child that doesn't have it because they don't understand mm -hmm. that what you have, the goals that you've set for your ADHD, ADHD child is all that they can meet at that time. Yes. So the goals are very different and it does create problems sometimes. I mean, I was, I was thinking about school starting this week and um, one of my kids, um, you know, she's taking a heavy load. She's practicing till seven o'clock at night. Um, she's just your model student. Mm -hmm. My other child, on the other hand, comes home and says, Mom, I haven't been in trouble for three days. And I'm like, woohoo! Yeah, that's a, that's a win though, it's right? It's a win. Right, exactly. So the, the goals are different. And it's hard for kids to understand that. Um, they feel like you're kind of maybe favoring one over the other. Or why do you let him or her get away with all of this? when I have to do all of these things. And it's, it is very hard. It's a hard conversation to have, but those goals are just very different. And I think that's the best thing you can do is just probably talk to your other children and explain, you know, I have these goals for you. These are the goals I have for this other child mm -hmm. because these are the goals I know that can be met. Yeah. And we want you both to succeed. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And everyone is having their own difficulties at one mm -hmm. time or another. So I'm sorry, Dr. Rackham. I just kind of <laughs> took you have over. A personal experience. No, no, that's, that's mm -hmm. beautiful because you said you couldn't have said it. I couldn't have said it any better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> because uh, I think that is the bottom line. For me, I want to see both of them succeed. I want them right. both to feel like they are um, good at things, that they can do things, that they mm -hmm. feel successful and prepared and ready. And you have to be able to, you have to set them up then with realistic goals or they're not going to meet them. And that's going to affect their mental health as well. Mm -hmm. And we have found that when we do meet with the kids on an individual basis to identify goals that we have for them, but also maybe goals that they have for themselves, that they've thought through, that they've said, this is what I want. Then it could be more about, hey, they can see that we're working on goals with this child, but we're also working on goals with the other child right. too. And some children might have a higher order uh, things that they're really working on, which might be uh, patience with another mm -hmm. person right. or it might be uh, learning how to not gossip about another person or uh, learning how to um, deal with the intense emotions that come up when other people are getting praise. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that can be a goal for them as well mm -hmm. because we could work it all together as part of the team. I love what you shared. Well, thank you. Um, I, I am a doctor, just not in psychology. <laughs> Do we have a doctor in the house? <laughs> I don't think your doctor counts. <laughs> okay, so um, following along with our conversation about ADHD and, and educators and teachers, is there such a thing as too much communication with educators right now? Because we know they are overburdened. Not only are they teaching in person, they're also teaching online. So they have a really heavy course load this year. But for parents who have children with ADHD, they may have extra concerns. They may need extra accommodations for their child. Or if they're teaching their child at home, this might be a first for them as parents having to teach their child at home. How do, how do we cross those barriers? So the, the, I wrote a note here that says, don't know. <laughs> uh, so when I, when I wrote that, I was thinking, well, one, I don't know because uh, some what is too much communication for one teacher is not mm -hmm. enough for another teacher. That other teacher might be like, well, I, 
I, I, I would prefer if you did talk to me more. Mm -hmm. Another teacher's like, yeah, I'm already having a lot. I already have mm -hmm. six kids in my class. I would prefer if you didn't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and so um, I, I think it's a, you have to strike a balance uh, to really have an honest conversation with that teacher about how much is too much conversation. And also, what forms of communication? Because some teachers find no problem being able to text real quick on Glass Dojo or uh, Remind or any mm -hmm. other means, but they don't want to necessarily call and field calls on a regular basis. So maybe calling might be too much, but email or even text might be just the perfect balance for them too. So something else I just thought of, and this is a little bit off topic, um, as kids get older in school, is there a potential that they can outgrow their ADHD and even like into adulthood? Yeah, yeah, so uh, they can. In fact, uh, if we look at it, 80% of children who have been diagnosed with ADHD mm -hmm. will continue to have ADHD in adolescence. And then those children who have ADHD in adolescence, 50 to 65% of those kids will have ADHD when they are adults. So that means that there's a lot of other people that uh, mm -hmm. we see it decline over time. Why do you think it declines over time? What changes? Is it our brain changes? Well, we, uh, our brain does, does change quite a bit. In fact, one of the things that causes ADHD is uh, structural in terms of like our frontal lobes. Mm -hmm. The frontal lobes are the things that pump the brakes that say, whoa, let's slow down, let's think about this before I engage in that behavior. Um, the frontal lobes are sometimes just developed slightly differently for children with ADHD. And so we find that over time, people's frontal lobes do develop they, through experience, through practice. And we find that anytime people do practice behavioral skills, that those uh, frontal lobes are able to develop stronger so they can be able to maintain attention or they learn different tricks. Okay, so I can only maintain attention for, <laughs> for X amount of time and right. then I need to get up and, and then do I whatever. Need to get, up, get up, do whatever. But they, so they learn how to accommodate and because they learn how to accommodate, they learn how to be even more successful. And so sometimes what we found through research is that the inattention doesn't necessarily go down, but hyperactivity does go down. Uh, and so it may be just that they've learned different skills, tips and tricks, their mm -hmm. brain has developed, or they're receiving just a, the right amount of stimulation so mm -hmm. that they can be able to calm their brain down. Are those tips and tricks different for like every child? Generally, uh, but uh, what we do find is that uh, the best friends that they can have when they grow up are organization, schedule. <laughs> those two ones are the biggest friends that they can have, but then also making it more time sensitive so making it so it's sometimes the time is external, they can see it, mm -hmm. because kids with ADHD often have difficulty managing time. And so being able to see, okay, I got five minutes to do three behaviors, so mm -hmm. let me do those, so like putting on shoes or putting on this or whatever, it sometimes will help them out. Also making rewards immediate. Uh, we have to make rewards more immediate for children with ADHD so they can see it. And it has to be more pronounced. It has to be something that they can actually feel, see, and touch. Uh, so that they can be able to say, okay, wow, I lost privileges based upon this, or I gained more privileges because of this, or mm -hmm. I'm getting uh, some more points through uh, like a ticket system or token mm -hmm. uh, economy or whatever. Uh, it has to be stronger than maybe yeah. just praise. So like the idea of delayed gratification with like children, or if you wait too long to like punish or reward, it's not even going to sink into their mind. No, it's, it's it not. doesn't even register at that mm -hmm. point. You have to do it immediately, or they even they've forgotten 
about it's like it to the them it's like is. weeks or months ago mm -hmm. exactly. that's how long it happened ago so we're talking neuroscience right mm -hmm. Got it. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah what about the idea of whenever parents are like you know what we're going to talk about this whenever we get home you can't do that with kids with adhd like will they completely forget it won't register with them they may remember it mm -hmm. um but we may have to have several cues uh when you're when you're saying uh we need to talk about this when we come home it's usually better if we talk about it right then and there mm -hmm. and address it right then and there uh, but if it's something that they're really excited about, per se, they'll probably remember. They'll it. remember that, right? Because it's something that's foremost in their mind. They're like, "Oh, I get to go swimming." Mom and Dad <laughs> said we're going to talk about it when we get home. Okay, good. I'm going to go swimming. I'm going to go swimming. Then that's probably maybe all they're going to think about, <laughs> as opposed to their mm -hmm. schoolwork or whatever. But still, uh, it just depends on what they're interested in. So we've got a couple of minutes left, and maybe Summer might be a better person to ask these types of questions. I want to talk about how parents can cope because I know this is incredibly difficult for mm -hmm. children to go through ADHD but I know oftentimes it's incredibly difficult for parents so yeah. sorry, I'm gonna let you ask these questions yeah I agree I think that um, as a parent you um, kids can push your buttons no matter what mm -hmm. so these kids they really know mm -hmm. how to push your buttons right so for me I think the best things that have helped me cope has been um, first of all let some things go. You can't be picking at them over every little thing because it would be all the time, every day, every minute of the day. You've got to learn to let things go and really pick your battles. Secondly, I would say that I try to um, I try to refocus the, the the thinking sometimes if they're if they're having issues or maybe acting impulsively about something and they can't seem to get it off of their mind. You try to retrain that thought. So you try to bring something else up, get them thinking about that to let it go. And then thirdly, I think what's worked is um, find someone, especially in a school environment, find an advocate for your child. Maybe somebody that he or she, if they're, if they're having issues in their homeroom class, maybe his, the teacher can say, hey, why don't you go down and meet with so-and-so or take this note to so-and-so. And it doesn't even have to have anything on the note just to get them to break and have someone that they feel that they can trust and that, they, um, that appreciate them. It can really change how they are then when they come back. Um, those are just three things I could talk for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do have some things that can add to it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I love about uh, Summer is that she has a great sense of humor. And mm -hmm. so one that you have to be able to do is also keep your sense of humor right. with the child. Mm -hmm. Because if not, then you're going to drive yourself kind of mad just trying to get it. The other thing is to keep a kind of a disability perspective sometimes. Not that we think that the child has disability, but that this is something that may be long term that we have to help them out with. And so it also allows us to be more forgiving toward mm -hmm. the person because we often will look at the kid and be like, There's, they're, they're doing it on purpose. They're trying to get underneath our skin on purpose. We almost think, oh my gosh, they, can't they get it in their head? Mm -hmm. Well, we keep that in our mind that it's not that we want to give them that crutch of a disability, but more like, okay, well, they do have the struggle. I need to be more forgiving. The other aspect is to be, giving, be forgiving toward the child and also toward yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, the last thing I would say is, in some regards, we have to almost be like a science parent. We have to almost break down behaviors into smaller components. We have to look at, okay, what's working about the situation, what's not? Mm -hmm. And we have to put on our science cap on a regular basis so we can look at it from an external point of view, because if not, we might internalize it and be like, oh my gosh, this is just a stinky situation that I'll never mm -hmm. be able to get out of. But if we externalize it and say, yeah, let's look at what works, what doesn't, then it can help to make it so it's less about you and less about the child, and more about how can we work together against ADHD. Awesome. So today we've been speaking with Dr. Forrest Rackham, a clinical psychologist with Phelps Health Medical Groups. Thanks so much for being here today.
If you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshelp.org. Thanks so much, everyone.